Happy Monday. You are listening to the Tar Devils Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, where we talk Duke, UNC, ACC basketball. And welcome into episode six of the Tar Devils Podcast. My name is Tyler Rosari, the always objective Duke fan in this duo, debating my good friend John Bowman. Happy holidays to everyone. We hope you had some great time with the family and friends. We did not release an episode last week, so it's been a couple weeks since we've had a good discussion. Unfortunately, not a lot of games have occurred during that time, but we'll do our best to get into what has happened over the last couple of weeks. John, go ahead and tell our listeners what we have up for today. Yeah, Tyler, the not a lot of games portion of the podcast is coming on the Duke side of things. Uh, UNC played three games over the past two weeks. A lot to talk about there with UNC. Uh, so we'll review what happened with UNC, what's gone right, what's gone wrong uh, in the past few weeks. And then we'll talk a little bit about Duke, how Duke's extended layoff will impact the team moving forward. And then finally, we'll close um, by making picks for the week's upcoming games, just as we always do uh, close out with that. I think I'm uh, beating Tyler in the in the year-long count, uh, so i got to extend my lead. Uh, you're mistaken. I'm actually up a game, but that was a good try. We can re- we can uh, check the tape later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So NC State a couple weeks ago beats UNC 79 to 76, and then my dark horse team in the ACC, Georgia Tech. Thank God they beat UNC 72 to 67. UNC rescheduled a game for this last Saturday against ACC powerhouse and now three and six Notre Dame. Big time tough scheduling, John. They win that game 66 to 65 on a nice little nearly last second jumper. John, what do you think is wrong with UNC so far this year? How do they fix it? Yeah, you mentioned those three games. I think each one of those games was a little bit different. I'm going to start with the NC State game that was played on Tuesday, December 22nd, 2020, last year. NC State ended up winning by three points. That was a game, though, that North Carolina really was never in control of. Uh, KenPalm.com has a win probability metric, and UNC essentially never had greater than a 50% chance of winning. And another way to put that, UNC's largest lead in the game was 2-0. So that gives you some perspective. UNC really never was uh, had a strong handle on that game. There were some points where it felt like if UNC could just put together a little run, They could have pulled away a little bit, but they were never able to do that. I think the story of that game was the fact that UNC got down early. At one point, they were trailing 27-17 to um, at the end of around the first 10 minutes of the game or so. So UNC got behind early, and they just couldn't claw back into a lead. Um, A common thing for you throughout the year. Yeah, it's absolutely been a massive problem. UNC has consistently fallen behind uh, early on in games. It's shot them in the foot multiple times. Um, So it definitely did the same against the Wolfpack on the road there. Um, Moving to the Georgia Tech game, that was sort of the opposite. North North Carolina was in control of that game for much of the game until late in the fourth quarter where it just sort of felt like UNC's offense grinded to a halt. Um, UNC was up 
26 to 15 that one midway through the first half. So a low scoring game, but still an 11 point lead. Um, and the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets were down to a 9.6% win probability. Um, they were trailing by uh, 61.53 with six minutes and 53 seconds left in the second half. So North Carolina was in control, but they sort of let that one slip away. Um, so that was a little bit of a different style of loss there, but just as frustrating for Tar Heel fans. Another road loss, another close loss, and that one dropped UNC to 0-2. And then I finally want to close um, just by reviewing. They beat Notre Dame this past Saturday, as you mentioned. That game was played on January 2nd. UNC won by one point, 66-65. to 65. Um, I think that is where we saw the biggest positives from UNC's perspective because Dayron Sharp dominated. Dayron had 25 points. He and Kerwin Walton, another freshman, were the only two UNC players to score in double figures. So that kind of gives you some perspective on UNC's offense struggling. So that's sort of a review of the past three games for UNC. A lot to unpack there, lots of different problems to discuss. Um, Tyler, do you want to jump in? What have you seen from UNC, especially in the past three games? Yeah, last um, episode I gave Roy a D for his performance. After the next or the last two weeks, I downgrade that to an F. I think it starts at the top, and I'll tell you why. The biggest reason UNC is not good this year is because of Roy's system. He does not have a system that's built for the one and done, and I'll explain that in a sec. So last year, or not last year, last season, so this would have been the end of 2019, right at Thanksgiving, Duke lost to C Stephen F. Austin. Which, by the way, Stephen F. Austin was predict projected to be a 12 to 14 seed in the NCAA tournament, so that loss was not as bad as people were giving us crap for, okay, just for point of emphasis. But I had to, that week, endure all my friends from Chapel Hill coming home for Thanksgiving and just spew this nonsense about Roy Williams being a better coach than Coach K. Since then, what did I tell you, John? I said, Duke was, or UNC was ranked fifth at that point, which was a joke to me. And I said, over the next three weeks, UNC will lose five of six games and be unranked. I was slightly wrong. UNC lost five of seven games, not five of six. And UNC was unranked by that time that I said. And from that point, Roy Williams has lost 23 of 37 games. Entering the Notre Dame game, so 23 of 38 games. Now, that's god-awful. And that started when... He started this one-and-done system with Cole Anthony, okay? So this is a system that Coach K has really implemented over the last decade or so and why he's been successful with it. And it involves a lot of isolation. Basically, you're taking these star players and you're giving them the ball, clearing out, and you say, okay, my player on offense is better than your defense. Go get a bucket or break down the defense and create for others. Now, that's easy when you have someone like Kyrie Irving, Jabari Parker, Zion, R.J. Barrett, Tyus Jones, something like that. Or for bigs, you clear out on whatever block that big prefers, and you give it to Julio Okafor, and he goes off for 30. You give it to Vernon Carey, he does the same thing. Give it to Zion, he's going to just jump over everyone. That's kind of what a pro-style offense is like. They, they use the same thing with Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram was very bad at the start of the year, but quickly made a jump when he got used to the isolated system because no one could handle his length. Roy 
does not use any of this like on-ball isolation. Instead, it's something you've mentioned before. It's a lot of cutting, a lot of movement, a lot of action. You really clog the paint, uh, the paint a lot of times. And this is why someone like Caleb Love has really sucked, to be honest. Against NC State, Caleb Love shot 3 of 14 from the field, but did have 11 points. Against Georgia Tech, Caleb Love had 8 points on 3 of 10 shooting. He was 0% on contested threes for the year. And then against Notre Dame, Caleb Love had five points. So part of that, part of this UNC offense does not allow for Caleb Love to use his best ability, which is his athleticism and ability to finish around the rim. He drives into a wall every time and he can't. And instead of being able to do what he did in high school and finish at the rim and get more of a flow, he just runs into Garrison, runs into Dayron, runs into Baycott, and ends up turning it over and missing a shot. John, you want to add to that? Yeah, and I think a big part of the Caleb Love discussion as well, he is shooting 16.7% from the three-point line. Um, he's 7 of 42 on the year. So this is not a small sample size. I mean, we're getting into a good portion of the season here, and Caleb Love just has not proven to be an effective three-point shooter so far during his time at UNC. Now that can change because he came in with a pretty good rep not a great shooter, but he was a good shooter. Um, but I just don't think he's gotten enough clean looks in this offense, the types of looks that he might have gotten as a high school player. He's just not able to get those kind of looks. Um, he doesn't have a true point guard, a true initiator playing with him. Him and R.J. Davis, they're doing their best to be that initiator. Um, but both Caleb Love and R.J. Davis have turnover rates above uh, 20%. They're god-awful, yeah. Yeah, that's way too high for this offense. Um, UNC's best offense, to be quite honest with you, is rebounding their own mess misses. Yep. UNC is third in the country in offensive rebounding rate. Um, so really clanking shots off the rim and then hoping some of their big guys catch it and put it back, that's one of the best ways they've been able to generate offense. Everything else has been pretty paltry for UNC. They're turning the ball over way too much. They're shooting at a very poor rate, both from the three-point line and from uh, inside the arc. Even free throws, they're not shooting particularly well as a team from the free throw line. They're shooting 67.1% from the free throw line, which is not very good. Um, so just an anemic offensive start to the year for UNC. Um, just a lot to work on and a lot to improve on over the course of the next half of the season. Yeah, and bad at free throw is welcome to the one and done era, John. I've been living with that for 10 years now. <laughs> but yeah. look at like someone like R.J. Davis, who was a star to start the year. And I don't know if it's just ACC scouting report compared to non-conference where you play a weaker schedule, but he has not played well in a long time. NC State, he had 11 points, but on 5 of 14 shooting. Then he went for five points against Georgia Tech and three points against Notre Dame. So if he and Caleb Love are both not playing well, it's going to really be a big problem going forward. But let me build on you know, more of this um, system aspect of Roy. Daron Sharp was a monster against Notre Dame, went for 25 points, nine rebounds. If he played for someone like Coach K in that system, he would average 25 and 10 a night. And if you don't believe me, look at what Vernon Carey did just last year. Vernon Carey coming into high school, he was a huge, he was like seven foot big. He played as a guard. He he would always like be on the on the wing, and then just like dribble or like 
slash the basket and shoot and coming to Duke, Coach K said, no, 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 you're going to have to sit, you know, your big ass on the block and you're just going to score. And he developed the post moves at Duke and became the freshman player of the year. Dayron, and in, in that system, Dayron could do the same thing. But you see against NC State, Dayron Sharp had six points. Against Georgia Tech, he had seven points. And then he goes for 25 and nine. And so not only is like this system not good for Caleb Love, but even your best player, Dayron Sharp, not getting the touches, not getting the shots that he should nightly. And instead you get someone like Garrison Brooks, who we've already talked about has been really bad this season, getting more shots and getting more time. I mean, against NC State, he had a like baseline jump hook that hit the side of the backboard. And I said, whoa, that's not – that reminded me of playoff P, you know, except now we got playoff G for Garrison Brooks. So I'm just calling playoff G from now on. But let me just end with Roy either has to change his system for these one-and-done players to, be, to have more iso ball or else he's just going to keep hiding dudes like he usually does and make them stay for another year. And so he'll have a bad year, but then he'll rebound with the championship contending year, which is what he usually does. Or he recruits someone that doesn't have NBA potential and ha makes them stay for four years. Look at Marcus Page. Look at Joel Berry. Look at R.J. Davis. R.J. Davis is good, but he's too small, just like the other two. And they're going to have to stay for four years. So, you know, we'll see. I don't think this year is going to be very good for UNC. I don't think Roy is going to change his system. I will give him props. He has changed the lineups more than he usually would, and that has helped this team. Moving Playtech to the bench early would help. Moving Garrison to the bench, moving Caleb Love to the bench, that's all helped. And so I'll be honest, I think this team is on the verge of NIT. If you're beating Notre Dame at home by one point and losing these other games, if you get 12, 13 losses, you're going to be you know, scratching to make the tournament. We'll see how that goes. John, you have a point to add about Roy changing lineups? Yeah, I think that was a big... Uh, wake-up call for me when I saw Garrison and Leakey taking, taken out of the starting lineup over this Christmas break period. Because um, Coach Williams, he respects seniority. Um, he's not changing Way his system. Way too much. Yeah, you reference that. He's not going to change his offensive system. He's stubborn sometimes to change up, uh, especially his starting lineup. So that was a big move, I think. Um, I also want to make sure we talk a little bit about this North Carolina defense because the defense is just <laughs> as big a problem. Um, the defense is it's ranked out pretty well. Uh, it's ranked uh, 21st in the nation in adjusted efficiency per Ken Palm. But watching this team, the defense does not look that good. They struggle with simple things like staying between the basket and the man, their man they're guarding and they're allowing too much penetration inside and then a lot of troubles with three-point defense as well you've got to be able to do a better job of you know limiting some of the easy three-point looks that the other team could get yeah and it's kind of rare for one and dunce to commit to the defensive end like Caleb Love does RJ Davis does and that's actually I think a bonus for UNC is the level of commitment that those players take to the defensive end. So it's not really for lack of hustle. I think it's lack of, you know, principles and defensive discipline. But you just mentioned, you know, giving up those three-pointers. That's what Roy preaches for how to close out. Iowa shot lights out. State shot lights out. Then Georgia Tech shot lights out late game. I mean, at some point, you realize, okay, it's not just a team. If every team shoots lights out against us, there's something, you know, a common denominator. It's how you close out. He closes out 
to play the drive, but when you're playing shooters that you know can pull up from a couple feet behind the line and are consistent with it, especially Notre Dame, that's all they do is shoot threes. I mean, you got to change your principles at some point, and Roy has not shown the ability to do that yet. Yeah. Moving forward for this team, it's uh, still not a loss season at all. They're 6-4, and 1-2 and two in ACC, um, but I think the the wins will come back to UNC a little bit this schedule. You know, they've got some opportunities to win some games. They play Miami next. Um, they play Wake Forest coming up, so that should be uh, an easy win. But go Deeks. Sorry, what was that? I said go Deeks. <laughs> Tyler's alma mater there. Um, I think that one thing we're realizing, though, is just the ACC this year is going to be a brutal schedule. There's a lot of good teams, so you have to find wins. Uh, when you have the opportunity to do so. That's what makes a three-point loss to NC State uh, sting even harder. Um, UNC has some building blocks to keep building around. I think we're going to see only more and more of De'Aaron Sharp moving forward. There were stretches in the pit game where it felt like he could have kept playing, but he just needed a rest. Um, So as much as he can play, they're going to put him out there. And then we should mention Kerwin Walton as well. He's done some good things shooting the basketball, so he's another player I think we'll see more of as the season goes along. Um, but a lot of work for UNC to do um, moving forward. Yeah, and with that, let's go ahead and jump over, jump on over to Duke. We're back to talk a little bit about the Duke Blue Devils. Duke's had a little bit of an interesting last month here. So they played on Wednesday, December 16th against Notre Dame. They beat the Fighting Irish by 10 points uh, up in South Bend. Um, That came on the heels of canceling some of their non-conference games. And then they've also had some interesting scheduling. Uh, Another ACC game was canceled this past weekend. So Duke will play next hopefully for the Blue Devils, on Wednesday, January 6th against Boston College. Tyler, what does it mean to take such a long break between games? How will it impact the Blue Devils? Yeah, so the day before Duke was supposed to play Pittsburgh, or even the day of, I believe, that game was canceled. A game where Pittsburgh had just lost their best player for six to eight weeks. And then just this last week, Duke traveled to Tallahassee to play a Florida State team on Saturday, and that game was canceled on a Friday. And, you know, it's not necessarily unfair. It's just super unlucky that these cancellations happen the day of or the day before because you can't get any schedule or rescheduled games for that same week. UNC has been able to reschedule two games for the same day, and you can still get, you know, your usual rest in and the usual, the game's in on, like as the scheduled day happens. So now Duke is two games behind in the ACC in terms of games played. They've also lost three non-conference games. So they played a total of five games, and we're a couple weeks into the ACC season, which is, you know, pretty unheard of. I think Wake may have played three games. It's probably now four. So I think that's probably the lowest games I've been played this year. And so when I think about it, it's something I've mentioned on other podcasts. This Duke team, having started out playing a lot of isolation basketball and having no identity because that clearly was not going to work, needs as many games as possible 
in order to become better. They need, or Kay did a good job of changing the lineup, benching Joey Baker, benching Wendell Moore, getting the players that are earning the minutes on the floor, and then changing the system to more of what Roy does with sharing the basketball, a lot more cuts, which is what this Duke team needs. But if you only have two games to play with that new system, and a couple of those games are against Illinois and Michigan State, you're going to look terrible. They don't have much time to iron out a lot of the flaws. So, I mean, going into, they would have taken like two and a half weeks off and had to go to Tallahassee to play Florida State on the road. They probably taken a, you know, a pretty big L there. Um, that game did end up getting canceled. So now, on the bright side, Duke, Duke's next two games are Boston College and Wake Forest. Hopefully, even with a lot of rust, Duke can still win those games and use those as tune-up games. If not, and Duke loses those games, they're going to really struggle to finish in the middle of the pack in this ACC because those are two of the easiest games Duke's going to have the whole schedule. But going in with a lot of rust, you just never know what happens. John, what do you think? Yeah, the schedule sets up very well. Boston College is ranked 105th in the country, and Wake Forest is ranked 116th in the country per Ken Palm, two of the worst teams in the ACC for sure. That's a huge opportunity for the Blue Devils. We saw this a little bit in the college football season. There were teams that would take uh, you know, a month off between games. Uh, in some ways for football, it's really not the worst thing because it allows your body to heal up and you're still practicing. It's never ideal to go so long between games, but it happened to just about every team. Uh, but basketball is a little bit different. Basketball is all about rhythm, um, mm-hmm. especially with the fact that you know Duke's roster is in flux a little bit. It's changing with the Jalen Johnson injury. Um, you want to be able to see Duke get on the court and play with their teammates, play with each other, get some momentum. So I'm really interested to see how it impacts Duke. Um, there's also, you know, the factor, the thing that we should consider, the Duke women's basketball team shut down their basketball season. Um, so I wonder if there were any conversations inside the Duke. Probably not, but maybe someone was like, hey, you know, why should we shut this down a little bit longer? Um, that's just another interesting thing to consider. Um, but for now, the Duke men's team plays on while the Duke women's team takes a break. Yeah, man. For listeners, notice John's going to take every opportunity to bring up football that he can. I'm not going to let him get away with it, though. We're going to move on from that. We're not going to talk about football on this show. Not this year, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think that the biggest thing is, you know, when I go and I'm looking at these money lines and seeing, all right, am I going to bet Duke or not? Right now, I'm betting the game's going to be canceled or postponed, which is not good. And some of the players, Wendell Morris talked about how demoralizing it is to travel to Pittsburgh, travel to Florida State, get there, be ready to play, and the game is canceled. You already did the hard part of traveling. You already game planned for them. You practiced three days for that team, and then you got to go back home. You don't get any. You don't get any results. Even if you lose, there's something to build on. But you get nothing. So you know, mentally, that's tough as well. My biggest concern is that these won't be the only two games that that are going to be rescheduled. There's not a lot of time in the ACC season where there's open dates where you can just throw games in there. Meaning at the end of this year, Duke's going to have at least two games thrown into the end of the schedule where I would not be surprised if Duke is playing three games in five days, something tournament-like. 
right before ACC tournament, right before NCAA tournament, and you're going to have no legs, and they're not going to have proper time to game plan for each team, and it's really going to hurt them. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. It's just going to be unlucky, not unfair, because, you know, just you can't stop, you know, what happens with COVID protocols. But, you know, that's something that's definitely going to hurt this team. Yeah, it's crazy. You referenced the short time in the ACC season. Between right now and the UNC-Duke game on February 6th, Duke has nine games scheduled. And I would definitely bet that at least one of the nine will be moved or canceled. So the schedule is definitely going to become a big jumble. Um, but, you know, you have to just keep playing on. The N- the NFL is going to go 256. All their regular season games are scheduled. So the ACC is just going to do their best they can, keep trying to schedule as many as they can. Um, we made it through college football season. So uh, basketball will continue playing on. That's a good segue into our last segment where we'll talk about some of the games upcoming this week. On to the previewing next week's college basketball matchups and also the betting segment of this podcast. Right now, if you look at the ACC standings, Virginia Tech, Louisville, and NC State sit at 2-0. and Syracuse, UVA, Duke at 1-0. and Clemson, Florida State both have one loss. Clemson with two wins, Florida State with one win. And then Georgia Tech 1-1, and UNC 1-2. and So... Right now, not a lot of games have been played. Not really a lot of separation in term, if you're looking for the eyeball test in terms of which team is the best. Um, we picked last, um, last episode, um, we both picked UNC over NC State. That was wrong. And then we both picked Gonzaga over UVA. I said Gonzaga would win by at least 20. They won by 23. No surprise. Gonzaga is a clear-cut favorite right now in the country. I don't see anyone beating them. The only issue is Jalen Suggs, their star freshman point guard, has had a couple of leg injuries. If I'm Gonzaga, I would sit him for a little bit till he gets fully healthy for the run, tournament run because um, with him, no one's even going to come close to beating Gonzaga. I think they're only a 300. I think they're just 300 uh, plus 300 favorite right now if you bet them for Vegas. I think I would take that. Um, they're just a stellar team right now. So then – Upcoming this week in ACC basketball, um, the two big games that we are looking at are Virginia Tech and Louisville. That game is on Wednesday. And then Saturday, there's Clemson versus UNC matchup. John, what do you see going into those matchups? Yeah, I'll start out with Virginia Tech-Louisville. That's a really interesting uh, battle there, a clash. Uh, first of all, I think two really good coaches. The ACC has a lot of really good coaches, but uh, Mike Young is a great coach for Virginia Tech, and I've long liked Chris Mack out of Louisville. Not big names. A lot of people don't know them. Um, that reminds me, too. I, f- I saw a funny tweet this week asking people uh, to pick, uh, take a picture uh, and see if they could look up the Boston College head coach Uh, He's been there a long time, but a lot of people don't know what Jim Christian looks like. So shout out to Jim Christian uh, (laughs) and just shout out to the two coaches there, Chris Mack and Mike Young. Um, I think that in this game, I am going to give the nod to Louisville. I think they have a better body of work so far this season. They've played uh, a really good 
uh, schedule. They got blown out against Wisconsin. Um, but other than that, I think they've been battle-tested. They have some good conference wins as well against Pittsburgh. Um, and they also beat Kentucky. Uh, so I'm picking Louisville in this first matchup. I think they're going to beat Virginia Tech. Tyler, what are your thoughts? Um, I'm going to actually disagree. I'm going to pick Virginia Tech. Louisville losing by 40 to Wisconsin was not impressive at all. Beating Pitt, I don't think, is a very big accomplishment. And then they beat Kentucky by three points. Seemingly, any high school team in the country can beat Kentucky right now. And they only won, Louisville only won by three points. Um, and then they, you know, won by eight points or 12 points against Boston College. Um, I don't know about their body of work. I'm not really sold on it. Virginia Tech, I think, had a very solid win against Clemson, 66-60. I think Clemson's looked the best in the ACC overall, and Virginia Tech beat them a few weeks ago. Um, they did squeak one out against Miami. I think Miami's surprising a lot of people. Miami's taking a lot of close losses, so maybe that team is better than you know I would initially think. I'm going to go ahead and go with Virginia Tech um, to beat Louisville. Tyler, no love for Jeff Capel, Pittsburgh? No love for uh, your boy? Jeff Capel is building a program, okay? It takes some time. Also, <laughs> he is out on COVID protocol right now, so it's not him coaching. Fair enough. All right, let's preview uh, and pick game number two. Tyler, do you want to set the stage and make your pick first? Yeah, so Clemson plays UNC on Saturday. Clemson, I think, to me, has looked the, best, the most well-rounded um, in terms of guard play and interior play, um, in the ACC at least. They had a big win against FSU, 77-67. to 67. Again, Clemson was down a lot in the first half and outscored um, Florida State by 15 in the second half. Pretty big. They beat, also beat Maryland and beat Miami. Squeaked another, another squeaker for Miami. Miami lost by one against um, Clemson in that game. I've learned not to pick UNC in this segment, as I have been wrong every time I've picked them. They look terrible. Clemson looks good. If I'm wrong, I'll eat my words, but I'm going to go with Clemson. A little bit of bulletin board material there for the for the Tar Heels. Oh, um, after after Dabo Sweeney, Clemson needs some bulletin board material. <laughs> I was, uh, as I was thinking about UNC Clemson, I was reminded of last year's UNC Clemson game, which was just a complete disaster for UNC. UNC lost 79-6, uh, excuse me, 79-76 in overtime. Uh, I don't know if you remember that one, Tyler, from last year, but that was just... UNC losing another close game. Who would think that would ever happen? And that was the game that ended North Carolina's amazing streak of uh, wins against Clemson. Um, now that that streak is out of the way, uh, this game takes on a lot less meaning for the Tar Heels. I think that streak, I forget exactly how many games it was, but... UNC had a long winning streak against Clemson. I think that it was years, like yeah, decades. I think that weighed on the team more than they uh, would let on. Nobody wants to be a part of uh, that uh, ending that streak and having that notched against your record in terms of UNC basketball history. So the good news is, without that. Uh, UNC should be able to play a lot freer this this time around on Saturday. The bad news is Clemson is a lot better. They're ranked higher than the Tar Heels 
according to anyone's that. ranked higher than Tar Heels, they're unranked. <laughs> yeah, they're also ranked higher in the in the Ken Palm. The the analytics like them better. They have an amazing defense according to the analytics. Uh, adjusted efficiency uh, defense. They're ranked second uh, in that metric per Ken Palm. So that's pretty pretty good. So I'm also gonna go ahead and uh, pick the Clemson Tigers in this one. Um, wow, John. Picking against the Tar Heels. I think that Clemson's defense is going to be able to take away uh, UNC's uh, ability to score the basketball enough to win. And I think Clemson is good enough on the boards as well to mitigate some of UNC's offensive rebounding. Um, but it should be a good game. Um, so we'll see what happens. Both of us pick against UNC, a rarity. Yeah, maybe we'll both be right this time. I think I'm up one game in our betting segment. Either next week we'll be tied or I'll have a little comfortable cushion at a two a two game lead. We'll check the tape to make sure that's correct, but I think it is. We are entering the meat of the ACC season though, so I'm not I'm not nervous at all. It's a long way to go before you can uh yeah, we do a victory or even take a victory lap. We're still very early <laughs> on. Yeah. All right. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Um, Tyler, do you want to take us out and remind everyone where they can listen? Yep. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, a very exciting week of basketball coming up and next couple of months um, finishing up with ACC play and heading into the NCAA tournament. Be sure to follow us at Tar Devil Pod on Twitter, and you can also subscribe and listen weekly on Spotify and on um, Apple Podcast. Be sure to tune in next week after hopefully another UNC loss. Hopefully another UNC loss. <laughs> we will see about that. We will be ready to debate it whether or not that happens. All right. See everyone next week. <laughs>